It was a neighbor who was cleaning out her closets. Um, her children were grown and gone, and she uh, had found a number of board games that she suspected would not be used again. And so she blessed our family when I was just a young boy uh, by bringing them over to our house. It was just like Christmas all over again, you know, with these board games, a stack of eight or 10. And in the mix of that, there was a game that we had never had in our house before called the Game of Life. Some of you may remember that old game. Um, I can remember that as we moved through the various assortment of games that were there, we got to that one in particular and opened it up. It looked exciting, you know. Um, it had a little dial there on it that you could turn and, and, uh, and we would begin to play this game. And we tried several times, but it was so boring. It was so boring. <laughs> I do not remember ever making it all the way through uh, this game of life. Um, in, in our anticipation, I suppose, that it, it, was, it was just too much for us to wrap our mind around uh, the things that it was putting before us, the idea that we would go to college, you know, that we would get married, that we would have children, that someday we would retire, and all of these different things, you know. It was, it was a good thought. The game Milton Bradley had a great idea. But to translate that into something that would be anything but just boring for young children uh, was something he might have thought through a little bit more. As we gather today, we're going to think together about life um, because that subject is very important the game of life, and it's no game at all. It is very real. Um, in that game, of course, the goal is to make money and to avoid being in the poor farm, as they called it. But as you and I know, there's far more to life than that. But not everyone has gotten that memo. And in fact, they're living by um, the standards that are far less than what Christ would want for us. Uh, have seen any number of vehicles with a, 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 a bumper sticker on it that said, he who dies with the most toys wins, you know? And it's, it's a sad comment, you know? It doesn't matter if you do drive the fanciest truck in town, you know, or if you have the fanciest sports car or whatever. There's an emptiness. There's an emptiness to thinking that this is what life is all about. It is not about how, how we might be blessed, but about how we might bless others, which brings us to the nature of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, to raise us to a consciousness that is about a philosophy that is quite different than what we see in, happening in the world around us. Uh, Jesus is sharing his basic principles that have been brought together in a capsule form that we call the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, these are thoughts that he had that are not particularly connected one with the other, and it is very unlikely that they were in one sermon, but that Jesus' words are very clear to us here. As he shares in everything due to others as you would have them do to you. We know this by the golden rule. We know this as being a very important principle. Did you know that that portions of this, at least in some form, predate Jesus. Uh, that would be to say that Jesus 
puts his twist on this, but that the principle behind the golden rule has been a part of religions that predate Christianity. It's interesting to think about it. In fact, even in the Hebrew scriptures uh, that we have in our Bible, there are rules that are akin to being important things that Jesus takes and comments upon. Uh, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And then he comes up with his idea for us of what a better concept of that rule is. If there were to be a bronze medal for a rule, that rule might be an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It's a pretty good principle, you know. There's some balance at least to it. Now, it was retaliatory balance, <coughs> and it doesn't work out well. Gandhi said it one time, if we really were attentive to that, then everybody in the world would be blind. And eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We would all be in sad situation. And so there's another rule that we might go by. And that rule sounds very much like the golden rule, but it is not. It would be called the silver rule, perhaps. And it goes something like this. Do not do to another what you do not want that person to do to you. Now think about that. That sounds just like the golden rule, doesn't it? It gets tricky here. Remember the wording, though. Do not do to another person what you would not have that person do to you. Confucius is given the credit for that one. But I have a feeling it even predates Confucius thought. It is a part of our thinking that it is good for us not to do bad things to other people, regardless of the fact whether they do things that are bad to us. That is a basic understanding of human culture when things are balanced. You and I live this way. In fact, we revere this. The idea that we would not be retaliatory in nature, that we would be concerned enough for somebody else that's done something wrong to us, that we would not do it right back to them. Now, there are people that think, oh, no, they deserve it, you know, but you and I don't generally live by that principle of retaliation. But we sit to ourselves and we think, I'm not going to do anything wrong to anybody else. And we think that we have fulfilled the golden rule because it sounds so much like the golden rule. It feels like the golden rule. In fact, we can make it our golden rule, but we must know that it is not the golden rule. It is the silver rule. The silver rule is you should not do to someone else what you do not want them to do to you. Now, the golden rule that Jesus speaks here is in everything do to others as you would have them do to you. There is something that is very proactive about it. You and I can sit and be very upstanding citizens and think to ourselves that we have fulfilled the calling of Christ by simply not reacting to what somebody else might do that is wrong. But Jesus is not saying that's the way that you become a follower of mine. 
The way in which you become a follower of mine truly is to move beyond that, to think about the ways in which God might wish to use you actively in the lives of others before it ever gets to that point. The golden rule, do to others as you would have them do to you, is a new way of living which is compelled by love. Those who begin to satisfy the positive form of this rule are the very ones with the love of Christ in their hearts. At annual conference this week, it will not be an exception to the rule that the ordinands, those who are coming for ordination, will be reminded of the general rules and with them, the rest of the conference that's gathered around them, the general rules that were mentioned by John Wesley in the birthing of the societies of Methodism. And those general rules are very, very simple. Um, do no harm, do good, and as Reuben Job would say in his little book that he uh, put out just in recent years, Three Simple Rules, he would say, stay in love with God. So do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God. Now, John Wesley would say, no, no, that's not what I said. I said, attend to the ordinances. And now that doesn't sound like our common English, does it? But what he was saying is, do the things that will keep you in love with God and make you aware of God's love for you. So do no harm, do good, and attend to the ordinances. You and I are called to this. We are called to remember that the golden rule is not so much about avoiding the doing of wrong things, but the taking on of the good things that we might do for others. It goes beyond just not doing harm. It is about taking on the responsibility of doing good. How sad it would be if we went through our lives thinking that we have avoided evil. Jesus did not just call us to avoid evil. Jesus called us to invest in the good, to let our lives be this spent portion that we would give back to Christ in the way that he has given to us. This is a nuance that is important for us to embrace because it makes an incredible <coughs> difference in the way in which we live. You remember that a man came to Jesus and asked, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said to him what he already knew. He said, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the man was thinking, that's great. I even know one other. And Jesus, before he had a chance to say anything, he said to him, there is another one that's just like it. And you know it too. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Okay. Now, doesn't that sound kind of familiar here? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Layers upon the same theme all throughout Jesus' life. Emphasizing this idea of doing to others as you would have them do to you. Loving others as you would love yourself. And the parable of the Good Samaritan, when the man looked at Jesus and said, okay, so who is my neighbor, you know? Who am I supposed to love? Really, tell me, who am I supposed to love? And Jesus said, good grief. Maybe that part of it's not in the Bible. <laughs> but he surely, as he told this parable, he began to think, 
You know, what does it take to get through to some people, you know? And so he tells this parable about the one who stopped beside the road, of course, and, and cared for the person. Of course, the thing is that he was trying to shake up in the man is that there were certain people that were good and certain people that were not good. Okay, so the, the parable of the Good Samaritan is not simply about uh, the fact that this man helped this other man who was in a very bad situation, almost at the point of death beside the road. But it was truly about the religious people that walked by on the other side of the road. It is about the religious, the pastors, I should not bring that up, the pastors that walked by on the other side of the road because they had some ecclesiastical duty or they were afraid that they would in some way dirty themselves with the world by becoming involved in that situation. And so then Jesus throws the curveball because you would think, okay, so what good person is going to come along and care for this person that is in need? So everybody was knowing that what the end was going to be because we know who the good are to begin with. We know who the bad are, right? And so it was going to be another, a good person, a truly good person. And then Jesus brings up the fact that this Samaritan comes along. Samaritan, where did this come from? And so Jesus is trying to teach in every syllable, trying to get across the idea that this can come from any direction. And in fact, it has. Jesus is saying this is among you already in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. And that's exactly what the Samaritan was doing. He knew the basics better than the religious folk did. How is it that you see yourself in relationship to these basic rules of life? Do you know what your rules are that you're living by? Do you know the games that you play? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I sat down with our granddaughter, Ruby, when we were up there recently for the birth of her little baby brother, Everett. Ruby wanted to play Candyland. I thought, I can do that. And so we sat there on the floor. And when we began playing, Ruby is three. When we began playing, I grabbed the box top to read the directions. <laughs> no, no. She, she had her own, her own rules for the game, right? <laughs> and, and so we did not need the direction. And so I began to coach her in terms of my memory of what the, the rules were. And she said, that's not the way we do it, Papa. And I, I, all of a sudden I realized I was not going to win this game, right? <laughs> I, I knew from the beginning I was not going to win this game because all of the rules were going to work to Ruby's favor, right? If you make the rules, you know how it's going to come out, right? And, and I thought, that's good. I like this because I really want her to win anyway. But then the more I've thought about that, you know, that's good. That's, that's good for three years old. Oh, but I hope that she, and I know she will, learn more about the game of life the longer that she lives. Because Jesus has put it in such a different way to us. It is not so much adjusting the rules for our own advantage, but it is truly 
based on this golden rule in everything. Jesus didn't say in some things. He said in everything. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And some have said, really, when he gets down to having supper with his disciples, that last meal that he had with them, as John records it, he adds another commandment. Do you remember Jesus' words? He even says it twice in the same meal. He repeats himself in the same meal. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Because he knew they weren't getting it. They hadn't gotten it yet. I heard someone say, okay, that is the platinum rule. That goes beyond gold. That's the platinum rule. That you would love one another as I love you. What are the rules that you live by? How are you thinking about even today or the coming days of this week? I hope that you can figure out some way to apply this sermon. Uh, Shame on us for not giving those opportunities. Let me give you some instructions if you're not there yet. Here's how I wish that you would apply this sermon this week. Just three simple things, okay? Three simple things. First, when you go home, you take your Bible, open it up. If you don't know the golden rule, look in Matthew 7, verse 12. Write out the golden rule on a piece of paper, but make it into a prayer. Start it with the words, dear Lord, help me to do to others as you would have them to do to me, as I would have them to do to me. So write that out as a prayer. Get a piece of tape. Stick the tape onto the piece of paper. The mirror that you Use to get ready with in the morning. Put it on the middle of the mirror. Stand in front of the mirror. Put it on your nose's reflection there on the mirror. And keep it there for one week. You can take it off next Sunday, okay? But keep it there. And let it be a reminder to you that we are called to this golden rule. And to make it even more significant with Christ Love one another as I have loved you. Okay, that's number one, okay? Turn it into a prayer, write it on a piece of paper, stick it on the mirror, that's one. Number two, and this is so simple. Think about how you drive your car, okay? Think about how you drive your car. Just this one thing, okay? Think about how you drive your car and how you operate in that vehicle around Statesboro or wherever you drive. Are you doing it with a sense of love for others that may be on the road as well? Are you a courteous driver? There are some out there. Do you consider yourself invincible when you get behind the wheel? God help everybody else is going to get in my way. This simple way, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Okay, one other. When you go grocery shopping, 
Think about the golden rule. What is the demeanor that you carry into the grocery store? Are you embattled even before you get there? You don't want to be there. Don't get in my way. I want to make this as fast as possible. Are you gruff with everybody that gets in your way? That was my milk. You get your hands off of it. (laughs) Think about it. Think about it. How can you put how can you put this golden rule into action? How how can we do anything less than put it into action? Considering that Christ has given his life for us. A new commandment, a new platinum commandment I give to you. That you love one another as I have loved you. And as we come to this table of grace, we remember those words.